Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. It is episode 88, Store Owners, How to Become a Retail Rockstar by Jeffrey P. McNulty. He is in the business of creating retail rock stars, but let's first pay the bills before we bring Jeffrey out. If you haven't bought my book, Sell a Million, what are you waiting for? 101 strategies and techniques on how to sell another million if you own a furniture or a mattress store. And the best compliment I was ever paid on, on the book is actually in the forward by my dear friend, um, Doug. And he said, take the word furniture and take the word mattress out. And it's just a great book on marketing. And I would like to give a shout out to the Mattress Industry Network. I think we're over 1,600 now. Steve, Thank you very much for your sponsorship of the Pete Primo Show. The Mattress Industry Network is a group of uh, retailers, wholesalers, manufacturers. If you are in the mattress business, we want you in the Mattress Industry Network. Join now. Scan that QR code that you see. It'll take you directly to the Mattress Industry Network Group, where you will be able to network with other store owners, learn how to merchandise, learn how to advertise, learn how to sell, learn what lines are the best. It's a great place to avoid making beginner's mistakes. And if you're an old pro, we need your wisdom in that group and your leadership in that group. So, hey, speaking of... Thank you, Pete, and good morning, gentlemen, from Steve Hauk, the man, the myth, and the legend. Thank you, Steve, for your sponsorship. Without a further ado, I am bringing Jeffrey on. Jeffrey, good afternoon to you. Go Packers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start out the show right. Let's start it out right. All, right. all right. So for those of you who don't know, Chris Stone, who is the best producer in the entire world, is a Detroit Lions fans, and they were going at it earlier. Um, and uh, Jeffrey uh, let off the charge. So I got a feeling that the man in charge of the slides is going to put up some Detroit Lions slides at some <laughs> point. He's going to probably block uh, out my Packer helmet and all that good stuff, right? <laughs> hey, hey, Mike Klein from Schenectady, New York, where I was born and raised. I, I love doing this show, Mike, and you don't need to thank me, but I appreciate you thanking me. Um, one thing I want to kind of talk about before we get started, um, Jeffrey has a very unique background. He was in retail for years and years, but he's also a retail expert in the fact that he's an, an analyst of the business. So he has that practical hands-on experience. Uh, he's got that executive leadership experience, but then he has this other dimension to what he brings to the table. And let me tell you, I absolutely love this book. Look at this thing. It, it, it's, it's the Mount Rushmore of, of retail. I mean, wow. you guys got to get this book, the ultimate, um, the ultimate Retail Manual. It is unbelievable. One mistake that sometimes we make too much on this show is because I'm a sales guy. Good evening. Uh, well, it's, it's, 
It's good afternoon, but I know it's evening for you, Guy Danes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. Um, we spent a little too much time on sales. Um, I'm not going to apologize for sp spending too much time on advertising because till that door swings, nothing happens. But so here, I, I just came back from a conference. And at the end of the conference, this is the... Uh, the uh, screen that they put up and it basically says the winter is coming. We know what comes with it. And I thought that that was very powerful. And, and basically what it was is it was a call to arms. It is a call for everybody to do everything they can to pay attention to their businesses, to execute on the basics. And I know what the P, uh, middle initial, stands for. You never told me, but it's process. Because I can tell by reading your book, Jeffrey, that you are a process-oriented guy. Our brief interactions uh, before we, we got on the show you are a process-oriented guy, and, and you are what most of my retail mattress store owners and furniture store owners need. They need process. So I'm going to ask you just a basic question, and you can go in any direction that you want. Um, we were in a little recession this year. We're walking into a more major recession this year, all indicators, all the experts, everybody's saying it. So we have a choice. We can cuddle up in the corner and pray to God that everything turns out okay. Or we can roll up our sleeves and get to work on our businesses. We can invest in our businesses. We can invest in ourselves and we can start to implement some strategies to make ourselves better retailers. So just a broad-based question, and it might take the rest of the show. Overall, over, overall strategies for successfully working through recessions. Well, when a recession hits, the first thing most retailers and businesses do is they slash payroll and expenses. This is usually a, a knee-jerk reaction that can have devastating financial consequences for each brand. Uh, if, you look, if you study the world-class brands, um, they understand how to strategically evaluate what costs are essential and which need to be reeled in. Uh, the target approach, <clears throat> excuse me, many retailers use is the ubiquitous activity-based costing strategy, which is a line-by-line -line system. So if you think about a profit and loss statement or activity basis to reduce expenditures, the downside to this methodology can be the lack of true understanding of the cost to benefit impact on customers and employees. Revenue profitability and service are inextricably linked and have a direct impact on retailers' ability to sustain strong revenue verticals during tumultuous periods. And a recession is an extremely tumultuous period, as we all know. When it comes to profit and net income, there are usually four different ways to achieve positive numbers. There's a few different ones, but these are the four main ones. You can increase top-line sales. You can reduce expenses, expenses, which is usually the first to be reduced is the payroll, like we discussed. Decrease inventory or increase turns. And for anybody that doesn't know what turns is, it's a measurement of the number of times inventory is sold or used in a, a period such as a year. So <clears throat> when New Retail Ethos consults, that's my company, New Retail Ethos, we consult with clients around the world 
we kind of cover my, I created a, a, an acronym uh, in retail and business. People love acronyms. So I started creating them. It's a strategy, which is a structured blueprint for achieving continued retail and business success, even during recessionary times. The CAPE strategy is successful in any retailer I've ever worked with or business, regardless of size, uh, niche, or demographics. The CAPE stands for customize, adapt, personalize, engage, and differentiate. And now we'll kind of cover each one a little bit in, in detail. <clears throat> this is just a small overview of what we, what we teach at New Retail Ethos. So we only have about an hour or so. I'm just kind of going to gloss over some of the main bullet points, unless this is going for two or three hours, you know, <laughs> Pete. So um, the customize, <clears throat> think of on-demand manufacturing, uh, 3D printing, creating uh, bespoke products and services. That I think is a, a version and trend in the near future. We're not there yet with the bespoke products and services, but we're getting there. Uh, ask your customers what they're, what they're looking for. Ask your employees what customers are inquiring about. And then double down on specific customer requests and interests. Uh, this is the time in a recession when you should be doubling and tripling down on these customer requests because they're still shopping and giving you their loyalty the customers are. So uh, the A stands for adapt. Think of acclimating to changing consumer preferences through innovation, strategy, engagement, and execution. Can your retail business adapt to changing consumer preferences? Are you waiting for other retailers to work out the kinks? I noticed some retailers are waiting for everybody else to be the, the pioneer and to, to work out all the kinks and the growing pains, and then they think they can just hop on and, and get on the gravy train. Well, it doesn't really work that way because during the process of working out those growing pains and those kinks, you, you, you gather valuable knowledge that, that pays dividends down the road. Can you pivot? And are you being proactive or reactive to customer trends? That's a main, a main philosophy uh, pillar is there's being proactive and reactive. And the retailers that are struggling right now are being 100% uh, reactive. Uh, the retailers that are successful are being proactive. They're thinking ahead. They're, they're touching base with their think tanks internally, externally. And uh, the retailers that are being lethargic right now with adapting to the new retail ethos, that's why I named my company New Retail Ethos. Uh, they're usually losing market share and experience and declining revenue. Uh, the P stands for personalize. So think of uh, creating localized products and service assortments to match geographical locations and targeted communication. Are you creating an engaging and interactive experience for your guests? Do your customers feel valued? Um, do your employees make each guest feel appreciated for their patronage? You know, very rarely do you walk into a store uh, you, you spend, you know, thousands of dollars, whatever you're buying and you leave and they say, thank you for your business. You know, phrases like, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for shopping at XYZ. And we really appreciate your business makes customers feel valued for the loyalty to your business. Because as we know right now, there's a myriad of different options for customers to shop all the different retailers, uh, through the multi-channels that are available. Uh, the E stands for engage. This is the one that's probably, I don't want to say the most important, but it's probably the one that I spend the most time on when our company interacts with clients because everybody thinks that their engagement is, is on point. And I very rarely meet a retailer or a business that their engagement is top-notch across the board. So think of listening and reacting to customers, employees, leaders, and vendors' feedback. Uh, this is the one that, that, that gets, again, mis, mis, uh, misaligned. They focus on the customers, a lot of retailers and businesses, but they forget there's three other segments. 
there's employees, there's leaders. And then of course, God bless the vendors, as we know with the, the supply chain issues, how important they really are. So when I was in retail for 30 years, I used to get upset when they'd say, well, let's take care of the customer. And I'm like, well, what about the employee, the leader, and the vendor? You know, they're, they're all equally important because if you don't have any employees or leaders or vendors, there's going to be no products or service for the customers. Well, I think they're all equally important. But the, the key is, are you really listening to your customers, employees, leaders, and vendors? Are you, and a lot of, a lot of retailers, unfortunately, uh, there's, there's, there's a small segment that they're kind of, the, the, the industry jargon is drinking their own Kool-Aid. They, they're, they're creating silos. And unfortunately, the information is top down. It's not bottom up, which is the way it should be. And in certain companies, when you express a different viewpoint from some of the executive leadership, uh, it doesn't go well for your career. So you, you got to be open to listening to communication from all four different segments and really wanting to understand what's going on. So some retailers give it give it lip service, Pete. Unfortunately, um, there's a lot of ones that, that do a great job. Home Depot, uh, Target, Costco, Tractor Supply. They do a very good job. I have a lot of uh, colleagues that work at these companies. They do a very, very good job of, uh, of listening. So engagement is a living and it's a breathing energy that must be a priority at all times and not during just challenging environments. What you'll notice is the engagement ratchets, ratchets up uh, during challenging times. And then when it's a prosperous environment, again, it kind of kind of wanes off and, and goes into the background. It's something that's, again, a living and breathing energy that needs to be lived on a daily basis. Let me jump in on, on a couple of different things because they're so important. I just want to fully develop them a little bit more and unpack them just, just a tad bit more. Uh, when we were talking about cost-cutting, one of the biggest mistakes a manufacturer will make and a retailer will make if is I will cut this cost and everything will remain the same. It may remain the same. It probably won't. I'll give you an example. When I have seen time and again, top, 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 the best of the best uh, sales rep talent get cut because they were making too much money. The manufacturer assumes that all the customers are staying with them, but they don't. They leave. They go away. So you just blew up your business and you thought you were being brilliant, but you were smart by half. So that's one thing. Pay attention. Don't make assumptions. And I love what Jeffrey says. Look at it, customize it, analyze it, and maybe get another pair of eyes on it as well and ask questions before you cut. So the old, old adage, right? Measure twice, cut once. Maybe measure a few times in a few different ways. And then if you need to cut something, and some things will need to be cut. Make no bones about it. Some things need to be cut. I think one of the things that I, 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 I got from reading Jeffrey's book is someone who's committed to winning and who is extraordinarily pragmatic and committed to make, instead of being committed to a quote philosophy blindly, this is someone who is really interested in you becoming a rock star and you becoming a rock star and winning at retail might mean to stop doing some things that you're doing. And it might mean to start doing some other things. 
This thing that you said, you said it a couple different ways. I'm just going to say it my own way. Don't wait. Engage your customers. Engage your people now in deep conversations. Uh, the world has changed. You may or may not have changed with it. You might have changed in ways that you don't even realize. When you start talking to your people, you're going to uncover gold. And it has to be open and honest. And one of the themes that runs through your book, Jeffrey, is open communication with no punitive actions taken. If you ask your employees for, to be honest, and they are, and it hurts your feelings, you've got to hold back from retaliating in openly or in the back of your head. Sometimes that employee that said something that kind of hurts your feelings. I mean, if you want to hurt my feelings, there's only, there's one thing you got to say to me, Pete, you're not being fair. If you say that to me, I will, you crush me because the one thing that I feel like is I am the most fair person in the world. And if you say something that goes against that, I will absolutely be crushed and I will probably turtle up a little bit and then I will come out of it and I will start to look at it. And then I will probably say, you're right. I screwed that up. And then you have to ask yourself one tough question. How do I make it right? How do, how do I make it right? And is there something in my process that I need to fix? I see this running through your book all the time, this adaptability, which I think is what we miss often. Um, you know, many of our store owners, Jeffrey, they were superstar salespeople. I mean, just studs and studettes on the retail floor. I mean, they could just sell and sell and sell. Some of them have management experience, and that really helps them as they become a store owner. But some didn't. Some went straight from basically being a superstar salesperson into being a store owner with no management experience. And boy, boy, you got to get this book. If that's you, if, if you're putting up your hand and that's you, get, get this book because I mean, he even has things in it, in here on how to interview and the interview process. And it, it goes into details. I mean, there is no stone unturned in this book. It is, it's unbelievably great. Um, just one other thing, drinking your own Kool-Aid. That is so brilliant. I love that. I think that we all, listen, we all sell from our cup of belief in ourselves and in our companies and in, in our products and our people, but we all have to not drink our own Kool-Aid, as you said. That was just so well said. And it hits on so many different levels, Jeffrey. Um, and, and, you know, this ability to question yourself is going to be the key to your success as a store owner. As a matter of fact, any business owner, if you cannot question yourself, you cannot grow. If you cannot grow, you can't get better. If you can't get better, you're stuck. And maybe you're doing great and, 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 and you've gone as far as you can go, but I really don't believe that. I believe that we as human beings have an infinite ability to adapt to change and to get better. And I really believe without getting preachy on you that 
We have to do that. If we want to be happy, fulfilled human beings, we have to be committed to getting better. So I'm sorry I interrupted you. I know you've got a lot more to go through, but uh, I thought those things really needed to get drawn out. Please don't wait. If you keep saying good things about me like this, I'm going to have to keep you left talking. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, they say imitation is the biggest form of praise, right? Praise the biggest form of imitation, flattery, all that. Yeah, thank you very much for the the information. I'm glad you're enjoying the book. So uh, where was I? Uh, We were, I think we were discussing the engagement, the, yeah, there's a a lot of feedback channels available nowadays. Uh, I started in retail, like I said, 1982. Uh, there wasn't a lot of retail uh, uh, channels back then for to get feedback other than you're talking to the customers and employees. Now you have the the net promoter scores or, or what's called NPR. You have Glassdoor, you have uh, Yelp, Site Jabber, Consumer Affairs, uh, uh, Trustpilot, external and internal company forums, and then of course social media. So I I, uh, I ask a lot of questions uh, because I, I found out a, a secret a long time ago. When you ask a question to yourself and or to other people, uh, the subconscious mind hears that question and starts working on it. It's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious thing. So I ask a lot of questions. It also interrupts a person's train of thought. So if, if you're having a disagreement with somebody or, or you're having a debate, asking questions kind of breaks up that, that, that strong, powerful thought train that's happening. So I always ask my retail and business clients this one question, <clears throat> among others, when it comes to engagement. I ask, are you willing to accept the challenge? And it's a challenge of devoting your precious energy and resources to becoming the pioneer in customer, employee, leader, and vendor engagement. And then finally, the last uh, 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 pillar in the CAPE strategy is differentiate. This is probably the second most important one. And think of developing, excuse me, proprietary brands, creating exclusivity, um, providing exemplary service, implementing employee-focused behaviors, what separates you from your competition? That's one of the most powerful questions you can ask uh, every employee and leader and vendor in your, in your ecosystem. What separates us? And this is where the, the proverbial rubber meets the road. And what should, why should customers give you their hard-earned dollars and loyalty, especially during a recession? And I, cr- I coined an axiom. I, I like to coin axioms because they kind of help me focus and provide pillars for me to, uh, to, to, to express certain ideas. And the latest one is talent acquisition and talent retention are the new business currency in 2022 and beyond. If you think about all the the retailers that are struggling to retain and attract top-tier talent, uh, that's that's, uh, pervasive throughout the industry. Um, You also talked about um, when people are cutting, they generally cut the high high dollar uh, uh, employees. Well, the downside of that is, Pete, is they, these high, high valued employees generally have the most experience, knowledge, and wisdom, which you cannot, and I reiterate, you cannot simply replace with somebody else. I, I've experienced it throughout my home improvement career. When you lose a, uh, a master plumber, you don't just bring someone off the street and start teaching them about PVC pipe. And, and that's unfortunately what's happening in some of these retailers. They go through in this cost cutting. And they cut out the high-priced dollar people, which, yeah, they're making high dollars, but the, the experience they're given and the wisdom is, is irreplaceable. So the second thing that, <clears throat> that I, I recommend is um, another acronym. It's called GAP. I recommend this to my clients, and it stands for Growth, Autonomy, and Purpose. And the GAP strategy is very effective. It, it works, again, in all niches, all retailers, all businesses, because it's not specified in one industry. 
And that's why I created this because I work for eight different retailers and I got a really good gauge of, of the different uh, niches and, and verticals. So when I created uh, the book, obviously, and then my online courses, I wanted to make sure I, I, I gave information that's, that's uh, applicable to pretty much all industries. And the main core concept of it is you tap into employees' intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic is a fancy word for internal. And when you do this, you, in my experience, you skyrocket your talent acquisition, your talent retention, your organizational culture, uh, your employee and customer engagement, and employee happiness. So I'm going to go through briefly all, all, all the, the, the three-pillar acronym. And then in each pillar, I'm going to break it down into four subcategories with tangible things that, that any business owner or retail leader or retailer can implement. So under growth, you have succession planning. People always ask me, Jeff, why did you start your book with talent acquisition and talent retention as your two pillars? They figured it'd be revenue uh, you know, generation or merchandising. Or, and I'm like, because you got to hire the right people and then you have to retain them. And so the hiring is, is, is you know, the first part of the process. But if you don't retain them, you know, when I was in retail, I remember hearing a, a number that was thrown out and it was pretty, uh, pretty impactful. It says for every employee that we hire full-time, it costs $10,000 to train them, to fully get them trained and up to speed where they can start making an impact. So think about that in the back of your mind for a minute. But so succession planning, how are your employee and leader performance reviews? As you're reading the book, you know, I go through this extensively. Are these reviews engaging, collaborative? And here's the key word in big quotations, honest and productive. I, I took over a lot of stores and districts where I've given honest and ethical and collaborative uh, performance reviews. And boy, they just pencil whipped it. And I felt bad for the employee or the leader because it wasn't their fault. But you got to be honest. Again, not brutally honest, but you know, a, a compassionately honest so they can grow. Like you say, you know, you got to get better. And that's one of the ways you got to be honest. Are employees providing uh, uh, a clear, are they provided with a clear understanding of their path to achieving their aspirations? Next, you have daily check-ins with employees and leaders. This is very powerful. And this is probably one of the things I love doing the most. And I love being in the stores because I loved talking to the employees. You know, you're walking by and they're, they're building an end cap. You stop over there and talk for five or 10 minutes. Hey, how the Packers or the Lions doing? I have to do that for our uh, moderator there. I don't want them to knock off my pictures. So <laughs> I got the Lions in there. <laughs> but the, uh, the actuator to creating an environment where employees can succeed and be happy is promoting the right leaders. As you know, as you're reading through the book, this I cannot overemphasize this point enough. I mean, I could spend a whole show on just this one topic, but uh, your leaders must generally care about people. And you were right when you said a lot of times salespeople, the top salespeople are getting promoted. Uh, the, the people who get the most stuff done, that's a euphemism for something else, are the best salespeople and are the hardest workers. And what you find out is just because somebody's productive and they can knock out planograms or, you know, or, or make a bail or whatever, it doesn't mean they're good with people. So the axiom that comes to mind is if one bad apple can ruin the bunch, how about hundreds? So I used to ask every aspiring employee uh, this question. I would ask, why do you want to be promoted? And, you know, they give you the, 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 the normal reasons, uh, you know, I want to I make a, a, a nicer living, you know. I want to be more in control. I want to have more influence. And that's great. But if their answer was seriously devoid of helping and serving people, this was a serious red flag for me. Uh, the next thing is providing challenge in work. Most employees want to be challenged to grow in their positions. We all have an internal drive to level up in our knowledge and performance. 
And again, the main differentiator is that you're providing, and this is going to be a theme throughout my, my interviews, is an inclusive environment that's conducive to allowing employees to upskill, grow, and advance. Throughout my 30-year tenure, like I said, with the eight retailers I worked for, uh, there was employees from 18 to 80. And I, at first, it was a shock because, you know, generally that you don't experience that in many industries, that, that far range of, of age groups, which I loved because the 18-year-old might want to become a CEO one day and the 80-year-old just wants to work part-time. But the 80-year-old has a wealth, a treasure trove of knowledge and wisdom. So I would be w- working with them and asking them questions. And, and I loved it. I love talking to people that are older because they have more experience and wisdom. And then that way I can learn. So uh, discernment and communication are symbiotic companions with success. Discernment, meaning like you talked about having self-awareness, discerning and getting to know each employee, what their aspirations are, what their goals are, and then putting them in their, uh, a path for they, for they can succeed. Competitive wages and benefits is next. If you look at the world-class brands, Pete, you know, they're, they're massively altering their, uh, their pay bands and increasing their employee benefits benefits to maximize talent acquisition. And of course, more importantly, talent retention. And for me, this is a non-negotiable strategy that every organization should be implementing. So I want to reiterate the axiom again, talent acquisition and talent retention are the new currency in 2022 and beyond. And then finally, under, uh, 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 under growth, you have educational opportunities. And the best-in-class retailers, like if you think of Walmart and Target, you know Walmart has, uh, I believe it's the Live Better You education program, and Target has it as well. They're, they're fully committed to providing free college tuition and books to their employees. And this dovetails into the differentiation strategy uh, a segment of my on my Cape strategy that that creates massive differentiation. I want to give every store owner a tip. Don't wait to give your first performance review when you're pissed off. So this is what we do. Generally speaking, most people are just nice. You're nice, and so the first time they do something wrong. You let it go. Second time, you let it go. Third time, you let it go. And then you get to this point where you're pissed off. Part of your onboarding should be once a month, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about how you're progressing. And we're also going to talk about what I need to do to help you. And we're going to have these regular talks. And so there should not be any surprise that we're going to have performance reviews once a quarter or however often you do them. Guy Danes, let's see. Jeff, in your experience, do many staff want to upskill, keep on learning new stuff, invest in themselves? Thank you. That's a great question. And that's, that's layered. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the question, Guy. Yep. In my experience, again, uh, the, the people that I think everybody wants to do a good job. I think they really do inside. Now there's some people that aren't a good fit, but that that I found that by you know hiring the right people. Uh, when I was in, I've interviewed over six thousand people throughout my entire career for the eight different retailers. And one thing I found out is if you're interviewing somebody and you're asking them a question about, tell me about a time when you provided great customer service or uh, you were you know uh, uh, working on a challenging project. And you know if you're creating a good open environment and they feel comfortable, you give them a bottle of water, you know, you, you read through the, the portion I talk about interviewing, that if they're in a comfortable position, if they're struggling to answer this question, they might not be a good fit because retail is heavily hands-on, heavily customer-centric, and heavily customer-engaged. 
So I believe if the environment is created right, and that's that's where it all is. I would take over stores and I would have managers telling me, uh, you know, John Doe is uh, you know, a slacker and 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 you know, Karen doesn't like this. I would get to know these people and find out, wow, it's just poor leadership. You know, attitude reflects leadership, you know? And and I said to myself, wow, these people are phenomenal. They just need a leader that believes in them and cares about them. And that's why I wrote the that's why I wrote the book, Pete. So yeah, guy, to answer your question, I really do believe that. Um, but the key is, is you have to have leaders that generally care about people. And I can walk into it with Bernie Marcus real quick. I'll tell you a quick 30-second story. Bernie Marcus uh, lived about five minutes from the store I started in in Deerfield Beach, uh, Florida. He lived in Boca Raton. He would come into the store and he would say in the first 30 seconds, he could tell the entire vibration of the store, the manager's uh, you know, uh, leadership style. I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, is this a superpower? How do I learn this? And I learned how to do that. It, it took me a while and nowhere near like Bernie could. But but there's a vibe in a store when you walk in, you can feel it. And I talk about feng shui in the book. I don't know if you've gotten that far yet, Pete, but I discuss feng shui tactics as well to create these environments. But but Guy, just to finish up your question, yeah, if the leadership is right, the environment is inclusive, engaging, and collaborative, yes, I do generally believe that people want to succeed, upskill, and grow. And, and Guy, I would add this to that. If they don't... To Jeffrey's point, they're probably not the right fit, and we probably got a, uh, you know, next. <laughs> we we probably, but I love what you said, Jeffrey. Attitude reflects leadership. So true. Um, I I have had store owners come to me, and as an outside sales rep, so I I get glimpses into. And I've been asked to work with certain salespeople. And I was able to really uh, move quite rapidly with them. And what I found out through my engagement with a salesperson is they were never trained. And, and boy, you know, the biggest mistake you'll ever make is if you have to keep retraining people, you have to ask yourself, what do I need to do different? What do I what do I do, need to do less of? What do I need to do more of so that I can change that? And I, I know today is different than any other time in our history. You know, when we first got in, in business um, in 1982, both of us, we we um, people stayed around longer, people wanted to learn more, it seemed. We we've got this thing. Uh, that I think is starting to settle out, but it's it's been very rough for some of our store owners. And all I can tell you is, number one, I, I empathize with you. I see what you're dealing with. It's across the board. You're not alone. But that doesn't change the fact that we have to do everything right. And if it still goes wrong, then... That's in someone else's hands that's got much more to say about this world than we do, right? So do everything right. And in Jeffrey's book, laying out expectations, um, look at those interview recommendations. I mean, it is just absolutely brilliant. And I agree with your question. Uh, you know, at you know, tell me about a time. When, you know, 
about customer service because if they go on and on and they get emotional and they gush about how they did this and that for this person and that person, and there's no shot. And it seems like they could go on forever. You've got the right guy or the right gal that that's the one you want right there. So like years ago, when I worked for Henry Goodman at white dove, when I was the VP of sales at white dove, he told me a story. He, uh, he basically worked for two years on a fundraising project with Warren Buffett. And at the end, they had a dinner. And Henry leans over to Warren and he said, listen, he goes, if I'm out of bounds, just tell me, but I feel like we've kind of gotten to know each other the last two years on this fundraising project. And I'm hoping that you'll give me some insight on this. How do you hire a really great salesperson. And he said, oh, that's easy. He goes, I really don't know much about selling. This, this is Warren Buffett talking. I really don't know much about selling, but I can tell you absolutely how to hire the best salesperson. And Henry's like, okay, tell me. <laughs> tell me, what are you, what are you waiting on? <laughs> tell me. He said, ask him how he feels about his profession. So, Tell me how you feel about selling. And if he or she gets so excited about selling that you can't shut them up and the room can't contain the energy, that's the right person right there. And he actually did that to me um, in my interview. And I just went on and on and on and on. And I couldn't believe that I got paid to do what I do for a living because basically what I do is I go around and I help my friends how to make more money with the lines that I represent. And, and I actually get paid for this. It's like insane. It's, it's, uh, it, 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 it's the greatest thing in the world. So yeah, you're, 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 you're dead on with that. Pete, you know what, if you, I don't know if you got to the part yet in the book where there's 10 things I look for before I promote somebody. And only one of them is financial acumen. The other nine are all related to people. And interactions and conflict resolution and motivation and coaching and all that. So yeah, it's it's that's exactly right. What Warren Buffett said. It's you hire people that have a great attitude, that are open, uh, willingness to learn. Uh, they're servant. They're servant people. They want to serve others and help. Because like you can always teach product knowledge. Now it takes time. It does take time. Like we were talking about when you lose the master plumber, you don't just plug another guy in and say, hey, start. This is PVC pipe and this is what it stands for. It takes time, but. I, I completely agree with what Warren Buffett said. It's it's about people. Yeah, so, I, I think you start off with a good human being and you work your way out. A good human being, my manager said this morning uh, that it's really hard to stay motivated when it's slow. What are some tips that could help us keep the fire burning even when the door isn't swinging as much as usual? Boy, that's a great question. Holy um, smoke. Uh, uh, Jeffrey, were, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have at it, but I want to take a swing at it first, if that's okay with you. Well, Is, or do you want to jump on it? Yeah, the motivation. Why not? Just jump on this puppy. The Packers jump won. I'm it. excited. I'm excited. The Packers won. God bless America. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, it's hard when you lose. It's hard. I'm um, sorry, my guest is abusing you. <laughs> oh, there, goes, there, goes, there goes the moderator. He's toasting me right now. He's ghosting me now. Um, the motivation piece, I guess, is. Something, again, tapping into intrinsic motivation. When you get to know your people, 
Okay, you find out what their interests are. I would tap into every single person. Now, in stores I ran, there's three to 400 people. Okay, it takes you three months to get around to everybody, learn their first and last name, get a chance to talk to them because they work part-time, nights, weekends, you know, a couple of, a couple of shifts here and there, um, and find out what they love to do. So what I would do, and this is what I enjoyed, or really, I really enjoyed this when I was working in the stores, is I took over a store at Home Depot and say there's a lady in paint, I'm talking to our department head, and, and she says, you know, I said, what do you love to do? She goes, oh, I, used to, I love to garden. And I'm like, well, what are you doing in paint? Why don't we put you in garden? Now, first, you got to talk to the, bar, the garden department head and find out what's going on over there. But you find out when you talk to people that a lot of times they want to volunteer, uh, they, they, they want to do community involvement, they want to be involved in projects that they enjoy. Now, in some industries, it's, it's all or nothing. You're dealing in absolutes. It's either, it's either you know crazy with your hair on fire or it's completely dead. During those times, maybe it's time to work on some upskilling, maybe some more training, maybe some more you know, reading, maybe some, uh, some e-modules. Maybe some, uh, you know, role playing. I used to love to role play when it was slow. I'd grab thirty or forty people and, and bring them up front. And so let's go through a role play of a a customer that is, uh, you know, wanting to buy a tractor and how do we offer them a credit card application? And I'll I'll, I'll be the I'll be the manager or the employee and you be the customer. And you you role play. You find out now. Some people don't like to role play in front of other people. Again, this is again getting to know your people and finding out what their strengths are, what their areas of improvement are, and then what they naturally love to do. So that's, that's kind of an overall, it's kind of hard to attack that in a short amount of time. But if you really know your people, then you know what motivates them. And sometimes there's nothing you can do to motivate certain people. They're, they're just not internally motivated when it's slow. They, they ride the wave. Like you were saying, Pete, about when somebody's interviewing, you're interviewing somebody and they get excited. Well, somebody just doesn't have that in them. You, you can't pull out what's not there. So that's just a, a really quick answer. My manager said this morning, it's really hard to stay motivated when it's slow. Your manager said that. Wow. Okay. So here it is. Is your manager responsible for other salespeople or is it a store manager who's really a salesperson? I'd like to know that, but I'm going to start to answer. But here's the first thing that I'm going to say. When we look at your advertising and the customer, whether they were on your website, whether they saw a Facebook ad, a Google ad, whether they saw a ROP ad, uh, any newspaper, radio, TV, does the outside of your store look like some look look like they would expect? And I am talking tactical now. I am talking: is there litter in front of your freaking store? Pick it up. It's your store. It's a reflection on you. Pick it up. Sorry, I get a little excited. You're getting passionate. There you go. I love I, it. I, 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 I do because it. I picked it up when I ran retail stores. Um, there are more things to do today than when I was in retail from 82 to 91. Okay. You've got podcasts. You, you've got YouTube, motivation, music. Hey, nobody's in the store. Rock it out, dude. Do that. Rock it out. Play your favorite music. Keep yourself ready to serve your customer. You cannot afford to fall asleep and expect yourself to get up to a place where you need to be to properly serve your, your customer. If you are creative and you are driven... I want you to journal. I want you to take, where's my journals? I've got 
so many of them, I can't even keep track of them. Here we go. They're over there um, somewhere. There we go. So here's my, whoever you are, if you don't have one of these, I'll send it to you. It's my Pete Primo, Primo Furniture Sales, Helping Retailers Succeed Journal. And Jeff Janakovo turned me onto this journal and it's just blind paper, has a thing. Write down your ideas on how your store can be more successful. All right. Scott Vaughn, you already have one of my journals. If you don't, you've got to let me know because I'm going to see you soon, next few weeks. Um, so, Scott, your, your manager is responsible for other salespeople. So, this is really, really important. If she's down, you got to get her back up. You got to help her get back up. And you got to let her know. It's okay to play the music that you like when there's a cust not a customer in the store. I mean it. Like, jam out. Like, rock out, dude. Do that. And I know it's a do that because I know Nicole and I love her. And she's a little Pete Primo. And I'm going to tell you something about little Pete Primos. We're way up. Or we're way down and you have to stay in the middle so that you can get to the up place where you sell the best from, but you got to keep busy cross promotions with other stores. So Scott, Nicole is a very, very creative human being. I am going to send her today in the mail, my journal to her. It'll be blank and she can fill it up with ideas. And I expect to see some great ideas. Cross promotions with stores. What can we do to make that door swing? One of the best cross promotions I ever saw was between McDonald's and a furniture store, if you can believe it or not. And basically, it worked so well for McDonald's. Back then, a, a Big Mac was, I think, a dollar and the raw cost that went into a Big Mac was, I think, 50 cents. And so the furniture store was going to get charged for every coupon that their customers used. Um, and then the owner came and said, no, you know, we're not going to charge you because it's been so good. So it was actually an absolutely free promotion on their side. And we got a furniture, a, a mattress manufacturer to donate a mattress because this particular retailer did good volume and it was a creative promotion that everybody should get behind. And, and this goes back to what Jeffrey said earlier. You know, relationships with customers are important. They're important with employees, but they're important with vendors too. Let your vendors know what your dream is. Let your vendors know what your aspirations are. Let your vendors know tactically what you're up to. Give them a chance to participate in your victory. They want you to win. They need you to win. Let them know what you're up to. So I'm sorry. I kind of get a little hyper sometimes. But Nicole... Let me get back, let me get back onto autonomy before, I, before we yes. run out of time here. I want to make sure I give your listeners a lot of value. I, so under autonomy, you, you think of flexible scheduling options. Top-tier retailers and businesses are, what's the word, fanatical about adapting to change in employee customer preferences. They universally adopt successful strategies expeditiously. 
There are a myriad of opportunities for retailers to embrace a hybrid remote schedule for their employees and leaders. Um, I firmly believe in a hybrid version of remote work scheduling in the retail stores that would accomplish and achieve all the desired results, if you think financial, operational, and behavioral, while brandishing this concept for others to follow. When I, and again, when I mentioned a hybrid version of remote work scheduling, I, I, I originally started this back in 2001 at Home Depot, 21 years ago, and people looked at me like I was from Mars. And what I'm referring to is a modified schedule of only a couple hours, a half day, or a full day, not an entire week or multiple days in a week. And here are some prime examples of how retailers can implement, uh, I don't want to say my hybrid, but a hybrid remote work schedule that I implemented. When associates and leaders need to write employee performance appraisals, prepare uh, a presentation or event, complete e-learning modules or classes, stay current with industry standards, conference calls, Zoom calls, and creating schedules. And again, I know this can work because I did it 21 years ago, and it's very effective. And it's one of those things where it's not very hard to do. Again, you got to have the scheduling down. You got to you got to use discernment. You know, a brand new employee is probably not going to be able to do anything remote yet. Um, but that's something that can be done because, again, I did it. Uh, empowerment. Do your employees and leaders feel empowered to accomplish Herculean seats? Are you creating an environment? Here's a theme again. Are you creating an environment where people feel a part of the culture? And how are you empowering your employees and leaders to become the best version of, that, of themselves? Do you deliver honest feedback? Um, have you created a culture of compassion and empathy? And do you foster open communication? Um, next is uh, trust, trust and respect. Are your employees and leaders trusted to make mistakes without fearing severe consequences and retribution? This is paramount right here because you, you, you talked about it earlier because you read part of the, uh, the book already. But if you do not trust and respect your employees, then how can you expect them to become trustworthy and respectful of your organization? So this message, Pete, cannot be faked or, or talked about. It must be lived daily. And actions, as we know, speak louder than words. So uh, th this circles back uh, around to my previous message about the paramount importance of promoting the right leaders. Uh, here's a very important one right now that's getting a lot of uh, a lot of headway, a lot of uh, exposure, which is really nice to see. It's inclusion and support. Are your leaders creating an inclusive and engaging environment for all employees? And here's the key, not just the ones who are part of the clique. We all know we've been in those stores that have the cliques and they have their favorites and I used to break those clicks up whenever I took over stores or districts because it's disingenuous. It's not fair to the other employees because we're not going to like everybody. That's just, we're human beings. We all have differences and we come from diverse backgrounds, but every human being is unique and special. And they all have the ability to contribute positively if they're immersed in a supportive environment that embraces diversity and innovation. And some of the best ideas I ever had came from, uh, came from employees who felt included, cared for, and supported. And then finally, under the P for purpose, uh, I'm really big on this one, foster an entrepreneurship. Uh, it's, a, it's a fancy word for an entrepreneur working in, in, in an environment where they're, they're, they're inside of the structure, the support, and the safety of an executive, uh, an existing organization. They feel free to, to go ahead and express their, their innovation and strategies. And, you know, but the, the key is you got to create the environment where creativity and innovation can thrive and flourish. Again, the common theme, you have, leaders have to create the environment. And, and if you don't create the environment, you can do every strategy in the world. It's not going to matter. So this has to start at the C-suite level. Whenever I work with a retailer or a business, I always try to start at the executive level because that's where it is. You know, the expression is a fish stinks from the head down. I'm not a fisherman, but and I'm not saying that every organization stinks, but it all starts at the top. And it must be championed. 
by all executives throughout the organization. Next, you want to tap into employee and leader intrinsic motivation. We talked about that briefly, but all human beings, uh, and I think it was Guy's question, are intrinsically motivated to engage in certain tasks in their lives from which they derive happiness. So uh, these tasks are usually, they're, 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 they're things that don't provide any external rewards. They're usually centered around hobbies, uh, passions, and interests. And the key pillar is ensuring your store companies, again, foster this environment of intrinsic motivation where people are able to sincerely align the corporate mission with their employees' values. So does your, compa- does your company show compassion? Does your company, uh, is, is it caring for the environment? Are you exhibiting, exhibiting honest and uh, ethical behavior in your interactions with others? So these are the questions that, that I ask, and you'd be amazed at the answers I get, Pete. They're all over the board. So community involvement is something else that, that boy, it's, it's uh, the pendulum swings from different companies. Often during recessionary periods, um, many retailers and businesses massively reduce their community involvement. And this is never a good idea because your community needs your services more than ever during these tumultuous and uncertain times. So I always encourage the retailer, the businesses I work with, to please keep the community involvement going. It doesn't have to be massive on a financial scale, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, keep, stay in the environment, stay, stay in your community and help people out during tough times. And finally, uh, the last piece is, is volunteering. Again, this is a small overview, Pete, of all the things that can be done because I can't share everything in the time we have, but this is just an overview of what people can do. Does your organization actively embrace and support employee, employee and leader volunteering efforts? Uh, some, re- some retailers I worked with gave uh, volunteering, again, lip service and looked down upon any activity that did not produce concrete results in revenue and profitability, but it actually does. So I want to give a huge shout out to the Home Depot. They're, they're a phenomenal supporting and embracing volunteering and community involvement. They do a very nice job. Um, so I want to give them a shout out on this, uh, on your show. Let me unpack that very quickly. Um, the first time I heard about this idea, I was listening to Brian Tracy. Um, and Brian Tracy said that the most uh, remarkable people volunteer. And when you volunteer, what it does for you as a human being is very palpable. It changes you. It makes your big heart even bigger and it aligns you with the best of the best. It actually, and you shouldn't do it for this reason, guys, do not volunteer for this reason, but it happens. You, if you volunteer consistently, you will start to learn, meet people and you will meet the highest quality people in your community. It's not the reason to do it. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Do it because you're a good human being. But what will happen is you are going to start to put out uh, a completely different vibe because you're going to have a completely different vibe because you're going to feel better about yourself because that's what we're put on earth to do, to help each other. And if you are surrounded by a bunch of people in a volunteer group that help each other, you're going to be amazed at the opportunities that present themselves. And it's not the reason to do it. So, Jeffrey, I'm going to tell, you know, I know that we're running out of time, but and if we go a little over, it's okay. I 
guys, I only touched the tip of the iceberg. And I think Jeffrey's a little frustrated because he only touched the tip of the iceberg. But get, get, get the ultimate retail manual. Get it now. But more than that, before winter starts, do everything you can to make your retail store as successful as it can be. If you like what you heard today, reach out to Jeffrey. We've been putting Jeffrey's contact information up. It's right here. We'll do it again. You can go on the, the website, the Ultimate Retail Course. That's one way. You can reach out to him on LinkedIn. This guy is unbelievably responsive on LinkedIn. I, I This guy should be a LinkedIn expert, actually. he He's better than most of the so-called self-proclaimed LinkedIn experts. He really is. Jeffrey, last words for you. Yeah, just just a quick uh, overview, uh, just so people can can find some information. So, obviously, the book is is I'm extremely proud of the book. Um, you know my backstory. How uh, it took four years to write the book. I posted it on LinkedIn, and and uh, I said, you know, when inspiration strikes again, I'm going to go ahead and write or, or and act in it. But the book has it's in 23 countries around the world. It has uh, I think I just got my 56th five star Amazon book review. The last one was from India. And I'm very proud of that because every review, Pete, that I get, it makes you feel good, but it's not about what you think. It's because when you write something and you have tap into that creativity, you want to help people. Like you're talking about with volunteering. I completely echo your sentiments exactly. It's all about a vibe. And my vibe is to help and share the knowledge because it took 30 years for me to gather all this knowledge together and then unpacking it and putting it into a book. The book probably could have been 600 pages because you know you can keep going and going with information, but so I wrote the book, as you know, from an empirical results perspective versus a theoretical ideas viewpoint. A lot, sometimes I read a book and it tells you what to do, but it doesn't show you how to do it. And, you know, it gives you all the buzzwords and the, and the cliches and the lingo, but I wanted to write a book and this is a hands-on manual, as you know. It walks you through. I give you plenty of anecdotes and examples to walk you through. And then with people that are connected with me on LinkedIn or, or, or on Facebook or that go to my website, that I always provide a little bit of extra information to help people out. But it contains a 10-pillar 10, 10 system. It's a proprietary 10-pillar system that I developed. That's, it's actually guaranteed to produce results, but you got to do it consistently. So people can purchase the book at Amazon.com. And then, and then after the, the, the success, the global success of the Ultimate Retail Manual, I was inundated with, with, with requests to create an online course to supplement the manual. And as you know, by, by, by my engagement, I truly believe in listening to my audience. So I decided to create the Ultimate Retail Course become a retail rock star with my good friend, Christy Powers. Uh, she helped me create the course. She's, uh, she's out in uh, the UK, United Kingdom. Uh, go ahead and connect with her. She's really good at curriculum and helping to write courses. She actually works for a couple of colleges out there. So she's, does, she's a fantastic partner. And, uh, and right now the course is $100 off until October 1st because you know with fall, fall is my favorite time of year. I wanted to do something nice for everybody. So you can save $100 off the course right now for up until October 1st. Uh, you get the course by going to the ultimate retailcourse.com. And then uh, the, the, the one that's the heavy hitter, this is the premium one. I created a course called the Ultimate Retail Bundle and it contains strategy, insight, and coaching. And this is to provide a comprehensive plug-and-play retail business proprietary system that's portable and successful when implemented and executed consistently. Again, you got to execute things consistently on anything you do in life. But this bundle provides students with the ultimate, you get the Ultimate Retail Course you get the ultimate retail manual 
And then you get two one-hour coaching or mentoring session, virtual sessions with me. So it's the premium top-tier course. Uh, you save about $130 if you buy the, the, the bundle instead of purchasing each, um, each course in the book, you know, a la carte. So it's the most popular one because you get everything you need. You get the whole course. The course, the ultimate retail course is broken up and it's on a drip schedule. So there's 10 pillars and each pillar, there's two pillars released each week, but you can take longer. Some people take five weeks, some people take 10 weeks. So you get the entire uh, course, you get the book, and then you get two one-hour sessions with me, like kind of like what we're doing right now. Ask whatever questions you want. I give you all the information. And my sessions generally, like you, Pete, they generally go over. So the hour turns into an hour and 15, an hour and a half. And, and I don't nickel and dime people. Okay, it's an hour. I got to go. Because when you're, when you're talking about a concept and, and you know, you're, you're really helping people, you want to give them value. And so for people that want to purchase the bundle, just go to the ultimateretailcourse.com. I have all my courses listed on there. And then lastly, to, to wrap up, any retailers, retail leaders or business owners looking to get a leg up on their competition can secure new retail ethos consulting services by going to newretailethos.com. And then finally, I encourage all listeners on the show, send me a LinkedIn uh, connection request. Uh, I'll be more than happy to sign, uh, connect with you and engage. And I'm almost at 30,000 connections, so I got to keep Unfortunately, removing some people, LinkedIn only gives you 30,000 connections, but you can have unlimited followers. But when you're just a follower, Pete, you can't really message somebody unless you're part of the, their paid, their paid uh, 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 programs. So if you're on the free program with LinkedIn, if you're connected with somebody, you can message with them, interact and engage with them without having to pay. So that's, uh, that's my spiel for all my services. So um a great show. I really enjoyed the uh, the rapport. You're definitely really good at what you do, Pete. So I got to give you some some props now. After you uh, you gave me the best uh, the best recommendations on the, in the history of the planet. <laughs> well, it, it was from my it was from my heart. I one one of the things that I could tell uh, with this book, I couldn't get through all of it, so I started skimming, and I did it with a highlighter, and I just started reading bits and pieces, and your heart and your soul is like open bear here. I mean, we know who you are. By the time we finish this book, we know who you are. You're a person who cares deeply, who's passionate, who's competent, who is uh, got an extraordinary amount of retail experience that has so much to give. If you're a store owner and you think you need some, some, some extra help, call Jeffrey. If you think you don't need some help, you really do call Jeffrey. <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey. Have a call great me no day. Matter what. Call me no matter what. <laughs> hey, that's why I wanted to yeah. add something to tie yeah. into the journaling thing. I really like that idea. And that's why uh, my wife actually had an idea. She says, why don't you put a blank page at the end of every chapter so that people can take notes? Because like you said, the highlighter works great, but a lot of people like to take notes. So that's kind of a way you can journal your ideas and your innovation and, and stuff like that. So. I like your I, idea about that. Yeah. I'm with your wife on that. Um, and, and one of the interesting things is if you have a book that's pre-planned to have uh, notes written in it, it becomes personalized. It doesn't get footballed off and you know, it makes everyone have to buy their own book. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought, that's a good idea. I never thought of that. Yeah, which, they should do, which they should do anyway. I mean, listen, everybody that's listening, invest in yourself. I This is what I want you to do. You know, I started off the show with the winner is coming. The winner's coming. 
It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. So guess what? This is what I want you to do. I want you to pretend you're playing poker. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to push all your chips forward. I want you to bet on yourself. I want you to invest in your company. I want you to invest in yourself. And part of investing in yourself, a great start would be investing in the ultimate retail manual and watch this and rewatch it and take notes because you probably have a good 10 pages of notes here that you really need to dig into and then get the ultimate retail manual. It's a absolutely great book. It is a playbook for any retailer, um, big or small. And I have a hundred more questions, Jeffrey, this will not be the last time we do this. I will have you back on, um, when I can fit you in the schedule because, I know you have a lot more to say, and I want you to say it because my my retail store owners need to hear what you said, but what you said today is so incredibly relevant today, and I would just encourage everybody, double down on yourself, get really serious about the basics, don't overlook anything, and we'll see you next week, guys. Thank you, Jeffrey. That's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to being back. You will be. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.